Not long ago, um, Claudia and I had a tremendous opportunity to uh, host a, a group of people from the church in our home. It was when we were, were doing groups. I'd love to take us back in that direction uh, to do family groups one day. And uh, I think that day is coming very soon. But as, as, uh, as we hosted uh, our group, um, we at that time, we only had two children. And uh, I thought that life was pretty stressful and hectic with two children. I wish... I could go back and tell myself what stress and, and pressure was really, really like. Um, and and uh, so we, we made this arrangement. Claudia said, I'm, I'm going to take care of, of cooking, getting the food ready, and getting the kids ready. If you wouldn't mind just kind of kind of you know going and, and running the vacuum and doing a couple things around the house. Shouldn't take you very long um, as we set up for the group. I really appreciate it. So she went back and started taking care of the kids. And... Um, I sat down on the couch because I, you know, I, I know, like, okay, I got this, this, and this. I got time. You know, I got, I got enough time before groups start to take care of all that, uh, that stuff. And so I, I wasn't thinking about it. And I heard from the, you know, she, she yelled out from the bedroom, hey, are you doing that stuff? I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I, I've got it. Don't worry about it. And uh, I got distracted. It happens. Okay, I got distracted and I, I didn't do it. Okay, I, I just, I just forgot. And, and I looked at my watch and I realized that I had just about run out of time. And so I sprang up, literally, I just, just jumped up and I started vacuuming like a madman. Okay, I went into the bathroom. I started freshening up the bathroom. I, I, I started doing the dishes a little bit. I, I, I was doing a little bit here and there. Should have only taken me 30 minutes. I was trying to put something that would have taken me 30 minutes into like five minutes. And so you, you I, I don't know if you've been there or not, but if you're a planner like me, sometimes this happens. It's just, it's just part of the, part of my process. Okay, and um, uh, I, I worked up a sweat. Matter of fact, I didn't even, I forgot to even get myself ready because I, I looked down and I realized that I'm, I'm sweating, like obviously sweating, like there's a sweat stain on my shirt. Okay. My, my hair is like all messed up. Like I, it looks like I just woke up from my Sunday afternoon nap because I did and I was proud of it. Okay. But I, I realized I, I don't have very much more time before people begin to come. So I need to hurry and get ready myself. And at that moment, somebody knocked at the door. I opened the door and it was Chris Battenberg, Chris. <laughs> and I was just this hot mess. I'll tell you what. And I was so surprised. It was like a reflex to open the door. And I just stood there for a second. And I'm pretty sure I just went like this. <laughs> I closed the door. I, I was sorry about that, Chris. Not really. Anyway, and uh, I realized something is that uh, I had a mess on my hands that I couldn't take care of. I, I thought I had enough time. Okay. I, I thought I had a, a plan, right? I thought that my mess wasn't that bad, but as I started looking around my house and seeing the real work that I needed to do, I didn't have enough time. I, I, I didn't have, uh, I, I didn't have, um, uh, um, uh, the availability, right. To make, to make my house presentable, like I wanted to, right. Like it, like my wife wanted me to, like I need, I knew I needed to. 
And so I invited, of course, Chris to come in and sit down. And he just kind of sat there awkwardly while I cleaned around him. And then, like, you know, went back to the back. And I, I put hosting on my wife for the first five or ten minutes so that I could, like, change and not smell like I just cleaned a restroom. Okay? Which was actually an improvement than what I smelled like right before I cleaned the restroom. And I wonder sometimes if that's kind of the state of our hearts, that, that we know that there's a mess there, and it's a mess that we've learned to cope with, that we've learned to live with. It's something that we know that, that we're not happy with, that displeases the Lord, that, that it, it's a mess in our lives, but, but, but we've learned to live around it, and we know that one day we're going to have to face it. We know that one day we're going to have to clean up a little bit. But, but as time goes by, we realize that, that we actually don't have what it takes to clean our hearts up, to make our lives right. As a matter of fact, when we read the word and we realize that there should be an urgency inside of us to get right with God because we don't know what time, what day, what hour, what minute that the Lord may return to receive his bride. Somebody say amen if you believe that the Lord is coming any moment. I pray that the Lord comes before, right after the altar. Because I don't want any one of you to miss an opportunity to be right with the Lord. If you need to make yourself right with the Lord, come down to the altar while we're preaching. Don't wait. Don't wait another minute. But before we conclude today, I wanna, I'm going to invite you down to the altar so that you don't put it off any longer. That he, the Holy Spirit can partner with you to clean your heart. David writes in Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, create in me a clean what? Oh, God, because he knows it's only God that can do it. And renew a right spirit within me. This is not just a catchy tune that David wrote in Psalm. It's not, just a, it's not just one of the top ten back in the day. This is what we refer to as the penitent Psalm. David wrote this in the midst of his biggest failure, his biggest folly, his, his biggest and greatest mistake. And he realized that he was asking God to do a miracle. As a matter of fact, it was, it's the biggest miracle that any one of us can ask God to do. Create in us a clean heart. And today I've asked that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. Whether you've known the Lord all of your life or whether this is your first time hearing gospel presentation. That the Holy Spirit would somehow circumnavigate any of the walls that you've erected in your hearts and in your lives. And that the gospel message could still penetrate into the deepest part of you. And you would still be responsive to it just like you were when you were first saved. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he can do that in the way that only he can do it. The first thing that we need to understand is that the heart of the problem is what? The problem of the heart. The heart of the problem. You know, when the Bible repeats a word, scholars pick up on that and realize that it's one of the most important things to focus on is if the Bible says something multiple times. 
And as it turns out, the word heart is used throughout Scripture 858 times in 778 verses. This is important. It's important to understand just what God is wanting us to understand about his heart and about the condition and the state of our hearts. So we need to start with understanding what the heart really means. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, it says, For as he thinks, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The heart is who you are. It's not just a muscle that beats inside of your chest. The scripture tells us that the heart is the seat of our emotion. It's the seat of where decisions occur and actions come forth. The heart is so important because the heart is exactly where it uh, is where we determine our belief in God. Psalm chapter 14 verse 1 says, a fool says in his that there is no God. How many of you know that there are a lot of foolish beliefs out there? There are a lot of people out there that believe that there is no God. When we look at the heavens and we see that the heavens declare the glories of God, when we look at biology and we can see that God, God's handiwork is, is present, when we can, we can look at, at who we are and, and, and see that there is something deeper, more profound than just a physical and, and neurological and psychological presence of a person, but there is an eternal portion of that person that we cannot account for. We know that there must be something deeper, something higher, something more uh, profound than who we are. It's not just about us. Somebody say, man. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Keep your with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. You see, the heart is responsible for every problem, both personal and social. Every problem that you face is because somebody else has a heart problem or you have a heart problem or you both have a heart problem. Every problem that we face out of the heart is every issue of life. You see, sin takes place before you lift a finger or you do something about it because the decision to sin occurs in your heart. Matthew 15 verse 19 says, For out of the Proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and blasphemies. Out of the heart is the decision to sin. That's why Jesus could be so confident whenever he said that, that it doesn't matter if you, you actually murdered somebody, if you even hate your brother, it's like you murdered them. If you ever even look at a, at a, at a person with lust in your heart, it's, it's like you've committed adultery. See, Jesus didn't come to take away the law or change the law. Jesus came to show us what the real standard of the law was so that we could understand that, that we had no hope in working out the standard of the law on our own. That We needed a heart transplant. 
Psalm chapter 22, verse 26. A paraphrase of this tells us that our hearts will live forever. Your heart lives forever. What is your heart? It's, it's, that, it's that soul, that spirit, your personalities, all of that lives forever. Somebody may say, well, well, Pastor John, I really don't want to live forever. Do you know what it's like living forever? I don't want to be around forever. It makes life more precious to think that, I, that, that my life is finite. Well, I want to tell you, ma'am, sir, student, you don't got a choice. Okay? You're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. Your, your understanding of forever it breaks down because we are not able to understand the eternal. We don't, our minds are finite. And so when we think a million and a billion years from now, it's just the very first start of what forever really means. But I want to let you know that when we say that you're going to live forever, your body and your spirit are united in such a mysterious way that we know that we, are, we have a body, a physical or corporal self. It's, a, it's what we see, hear, taste, and touch right here in this natural world. But one of these days, it's very clear that your body is going to break down. I feel in the process of breaking down as I speak, okay? I'm about 80% right now. Thank you for your patience. Um, but, you know, in school, uh, 80% meant it was a passing grade, and so I took it. Um, but your body can break down, and, and you'll be buried, but your, your personality, your emotions, your intellect, your, you, who you are is an eternal creation and it will live on forever. And the Bible's very clear. You don't get to, uh, you, you don't get to decide, right? You don't get to decide that you're just going to hang out and, 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 uh, and be a ghost. As a matter of fact, the scripture is clear that there's one of two places that you will go to when you die, when your body dies. The first place, the default place, is what Jesus referred to as, uh, as uh, outer darkness. It's a place void of the Holy Spirit, void of the presence of God, void of light, void of hope. It's a place of eternal damnation and torment. See, it's, it's not a popular topic to talk about what hell looks like. But it's, a, it's an actual place. It's not some theological or philosophical idea. It's not some nihilistic determination. It's a real place because it's a real consequence to not trusting your heart to the Lord of everlasting life. But the second place that you could go and the preferred place that you'd go is heaven. 
a place where there's joy unspeakable and full of glory, a place where there's where the presence of God permeates to the extent that there is no sun and there is no moon, but it's only the light of God that, that encompasses who we are. You'll, you and I will be able to be with loved ones that have trusted their life with the Lord. You and I will be able to walk down streets of gold and, and, and the Bible tells us that, the, that God has, uh, that Jesus is preparing a mansion for us when we trust him with our hearts, that you and I can live with him in peace for eternity. There's only two places, it's heaven and hell, and it's the condition and the state of your heart that determines your everlasting address. First Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, many times you and I have a have the desire to try to make our outward appearance look as if we have it all together. We do our very best to make sure that everything is structured and everything is right, and we put on a good face for everyone. We're, we're good at smiling. We're good at walking through the foyer and shaking hands and saying, how are you? I'm doing fine. But if you want to be serious... If you want to be genuine, if you want to be authentic, you would at least admit to yourself that things aren't okay, that there is really a mess going on inside. There is really a storm brewing in your heart, and you are not capable of reining it in. You're not capable of cleaning it up, and you need the Lord's help. You wish that you could hide it from everyone, and in fact, you even try to hide it from yourself by not looking at it. Everybody has that junk drawer in your home that you keep clothes, that, that area of your closet that you just stick stuff in when you have to hurry to clean. Just me, okay. And everybody has areas in their life that they really would wish not to look at, to avoid, to turn away from, because you know it's wrong. You know it displeases the Lord, and you know that it brings you anxiety and fear and even frustration and anger at yourself because you can't take care of business. But I want you to know something this morning, that the Lord sees it. That you can't hide it from the Lord. Amen. That you can't volunteer enough in order to make things okay. That you can't invite Jesus in to the living room of your heart and have the bedroom be a mess. Somebody say amen. That when Jesus comes into the place, his demand is that he rules and reigns every room and every part of your house and every part of your heart. You can't hide it. You can't put it aside. You can't not worry about it. It's there. And it stands in the way of having a right relationship with Christ. The Bible teaches that the heart has eyes and ears, but they are both blind and deaf until you invite Jesus to recreate who you are. We also know that, that it takes a miracle. 
It takes Christ to do it. I'm not here this morning to give you some kind of tips on organizing your life or tips and tricks on how to, how to reduce or remove anxiety of your life. I'm not going to tell you that there's seven steps in order to live a successful life in Christ or there's 21 days to get you in, in spiritual shape. None of that is true. The truth of the matter is that there is not one thing that you can do. There's not one medication that you can take that can bring you back into balance and restore your heart. There's not one psychologist, not one psychiatrist, not one counselor, not even one pastor that can say something to you to make you figure it all out. It's got to take a decision of you and you alone to get right with God by allowing yourself to open your heart up and receive him and saying, Lord, come in and create in me a clean and new heart. Oh, God, renew a right spirit within me. That's it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. He is the answer of every heart problem of our life. He alone can come and regenerate you, create within you, and make you clean from the inside out. And I need somebody to understand here this morning that there is only one question to ask yourself today, and that is, is my heart right? Your mom and dad can't answer that for you. Your brother and sister can't answer that for you. Your grandma, your grandfather can't say it whether it's right or not. Your spouse can't answer that question for you. Your boss can't answer that question for you. Only you can answer that question Amen. with honesty. But the truth is, is that we typically want to lie. We typically want to lie to everyone, including ourselves, whether our heart's right. We try to justify ourselves and justify our actions to, to, to try to get us to feel better, to avoid the shame and the guilt of having a dirty heart. But I want to give you a little bit of insight in what the average heart looks like. Scripture says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 18, that hearts plot evil. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all and desperately wicked. You say, Pastor John, that's, that can't be the average person. That's, those are bad people. I got news for you. We're all bad people. Romans tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, no, not one. Jesus even spoke about the type of person that would go to church, that would work and they would serve and they would go to Wednesday night discipleship and they would sing in the choir and they would teach classes and they would do all these other things and their heart still wasn't right. He said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You praise God with your lips. You shake hands. You say, how do you, how do, you do? You say, praise God. You lift your hands and worship. You come and, and, you, and you do all the things because you know how to do all your things. But your heart is still not right with God. 
Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 22 says, Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish, what? Hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. Somebody needs to recognize today that in our society, in our culture, even among our churches, there's some fools. There's some fools. Because you knew God. You knew His Word. You knew the thing that He said. You knew His laws. You honored Him with your lips. But in your heart, it wasn't right. It wasn't right. Could this be you? Is this your heart? Do you feel like you have it all together on the outside, but you're scared to death to let somebody see the genuine you because you know there's that thing that separates you from God? This is what David's heart was like. This is what David's life was like. You see, David lived in an incredible time period in the golden age of, of Israel where everything was going his way. It was so obvious that God had anointed him as king. He had supernatural victory after supernatural victory. He led his people in prosperity and everyone was able to appreciate a peace across the region, even in, uh, among the nations surrounding David. They experienced a peace because of how powerful God made the nation of Israel through David's reign. But even in all the midst of that blessing, things still fell apart. Why? David was a man after God's own heart, yet David still allowed his heart to grow far from God. You see... There are times where even in the midst of all of our troubles, we have to have a heart to heart with God. Many of you know the story I'm referring to in, uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We find that David simply made a decision. We know that David made lots of decisions that were sinful from this moment. But David's immediate decision was instead of going with the soldiers to war, like kings did in the springtime, David chose to stay back and enjoy the comfort of his kingdom. It was in that choice, not a bad choice, not a, not a terrible choice, just a choice to rest for a little while, not to, not to go to battle like he knew he should, that David's heart found a way to step outside of the will of God. I wonder... I wonder what it might be like for you and I as we think back on the past mistakes of our lives and we constantly look back and we regret those big mistakes and we wish that we hadn't made them. But what would happen if we thought one more step before and we said, I wish I didn't even allow myself to step out of God's will? Not just even a little bit, not even to be somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be. I imagine that every person in this room knows what it's like at some point of your life to allow your heart to step outside of God's will. You see, in that moment, David sinned by not being in God's will. And what happened after that 
was predetermined. Because when you step outside of God's will and temptation comes, we're not able to fend off the attack of the enemy. He saw Bathsheba bathing on another roof. He called for her, knowing that he, she was Uriah's bride. After he was with her in sin, he found out she was pregnant. And so he called for Uriah to come home out of the combat field to, and try to encourage him to be with his wife so that he could cover up his sin. Yet Uriah was faithful to a promise that he made to the soldiers that he would not live in the lap of luxury and experience peace and pleasure while his men and the ark of God slept outside at night. He was faithful and loyal to the call of God on his life. So David sent him back into battle and he told Joab, he said, Joab, his general, put Uriah on the very front lines where the battle is the fiercest. And whenever the battle gets very fierce, I want you to draw back, leaving Uriah exposed. And this happened just according to David's command. And not only Uriah, but several other Israelite soldiers fell that day, all in an effort to try to cover up David's sin. Can I tell you something that it's not just you that fall because your heart's wrong. It's your kids. It's your peers. It's your spouse. You try to cover up with lies and cover it up with, with, with uh, 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 tr trying to dance around the issue, trying to prevent things from falling out and people knowing. But you're not the only one that pays the price of the sin. And you can't cover it up no matter how hard you try. There's only one thing that can cover your sin. There's only one thing that can take away the sin. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. Nathan came to David. And empowered by the Spirit of God, revealed the sin that David committed. David, David's heart was torn. He was thrown into grief because of the guilt and the shame that he bore. He realized he had to repent. For seven days, David did nothing but cry, nothing but grieve, nothing but tear his clothes in the, in, in the, by the altar of God and ask God's mercy and forgiveness David later said that it was also that maybe, just maybe, God would have mercy on him and allow this little child to end up living because the consequence of David's sin was that the little child wouldn't live. I want to tell you this morning that, that the little child didn't live. That consequences to our sin are real. But yet, when David found out that his child died, he stood back up, he put himself back together, he worshiped God, and he ate. When he was asked, he says that the child was with God, and he can't bring the child back, but one day, as long as his heart's right, he can be with the child. 
can I tell you something? Don't allow, right, a, a mistake. Don't allow a wrongdoing to prevent you from making your heart right with God. Because in that moment, in this time period, this is when David wrote Psalm 51, the penitent psalm, the, the repentant prayer that David prayed unto God, asking God to create in him a clean heart and renew a right spirit within him. And God answered that prayer. Because the truth is, is the biggest miracle in the whole entire world is not healing the sick, not restoring relationships, not even raising the dead. The biggest miracle that you and I will ever experience is that God would create in us a clean heart. And I want to I'll show it to you theologically that God created everything through the spoken word, the logos of God. But God died so that you and I would have a clean heart. It took the death of his one and only son to purify us and restore us, redeem us and draw us back. And now we stand before him completely clean and completely pure and holy, just as Jesus is holy, all because of a restored heart. You see, some of us this morning need heart surgery. The truth is, is that there's probably still some people out here this morning, and perhaps even listening online that would say, Pastor John, it's not that I haven't heard this before, but I just can't allow myself to have hope that God would do this in me. Pastor John, I just can't believe that God would really restore my heart. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've said. You don't know how I've treated people. But it's true. I don't know. I don't know all of those things about you. But one thing I do know, one thing I do know is that God's word promises us in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, and I will give you a new what? And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn, and give you a tender and responsive, stand with me all over this place. God has promised us in his word that he would do those things. Ladies and gentlemen, students, grandparents, I can only tell you what the scriptures are telling us. I believe in the very promises of God and those promises aren't just for good people and praise God because there's not one good person each and every one of us has have the opportunity this morning to make our hearts right or at least allow God to create in us a new and clean heart. Don't wait. Don't hold yourself back. Don't put it off for another Sunday or a Wednesday night. Don't say, I'll just do this on my own in my room. It's your time. It's your opportunity. Maybe you're here this morning and you say to yourself, well, 
I heard this message growing up all my life. And I did receive the Lord as my Savior. And He did clean my heart at that time. Brother, sister, I need you to know something. That if it was true when you're five, it's true when you're 50. If it was true when you're nine, it's true when you're 90. It's true whether you're saved or whether you're having a problem or you're not saved. It's true whenever you're living in sin, but you know the truth. It's true. It's true. It's true. And that promise is for you and you and you. Would you grab the person's hand on your right and your left? The problem is your heart. The answer is to come to God and ask for his forgiveness. His promise is to give us a new heart and create in us a new spirit. All over this place right now, you're holding hands and you're asking yourself, do I have a, good, a right heart? Right now, people on your right and your left will pray for you in just a moment. But if you can only answer no, I don't have a right heart and I need God's help. Would you squeeze the person's hand on your right and your left so that they know that they're praying for you? Do that now. Oh, Holy Spirit, I ask God that you would move in this place, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord, the state and the condition in which our heart sits. Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict our hearts so that we could come to you in a spectacular way and see a great exchange occur where we submit to you our stony heart and experience the tender, loving care of you at work. Hallelujah. If somebody squeezed your hand, would you just lean over the, to them and say, come with me down to the altar because we, want it, we need to pray. If somebody squeezed your hand, take their hand down to the altar and we want to pray with you right now. Begin to step out. Go ahead. Begin to step out. Begin to step out and prepare to pray with you, the person that squeezed your hand. Come on. Come on, begin to step out. This is a prayer of faith. It does require something on your part, stepping out in faith, knowing that God is wanting to work in your life, and he will, but you need to step out right now so that you and your faith will activate in prayer right now this morning. Come on, begin to step out and cry out to him. Hallelujah. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you'd move throughout this congregation right now, throughout these couples and these individuals that are calling out to you, saying, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Father, give us a, a sense of urgency, Lord, that we would walk out of these doors, Lord, the same way that we walked in. But, Lord, we would take advantage of the opportunity that you've given to us in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just worship with us right now as we pray? Christ's legacy, I want to tell you something. What a delight it is to know and experience the joy of salvation. To walk around feeling peace and joy, knowing that you are right with the everlasting Father. His name is the Prince of Peace, and he is a mighty God. But he won't tolerate 
any mess in your heart, be obedient and yield that mess to him. And it's a beautiful exchange that says, you give me your mess and I'll give you life. You give me your trouble and I'll give you peace. You give me sadness and I'll give you joy. You give me anger and I'll give you love. And if you believe that this morning, I want you to know that you can be right with the Lord. If there's ever a time, if there's ever a moment in your life that you're worried, that you're scared, that you know that you're not right, all you have to do is turn to the Lord and say, create in me a clean heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for each and every person in this room, each and every person joining us online. Lord, their hearts are eternal. But I pray, God, that they would allow you to captivate their hearts. Lord, bless them indeed and cause them to have a new heart and a new life. Lord, so that we can find you. Lord, that we can give hope and that we can do life together in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed this morning.